The last few weeks, we've been looking at what we've called short stories of the Bible, just trying to understand and discover a little bit more about the heart of God and what God's heart looks like. My premise on doing this short three-week series is that in the summertime, it's easy to kick into summer mode, which we're kind of vacationing, we're kind of relaxing, and we kind of do that in several areas of life. And many times we even do that in church life, like, ah, we're just kind of on cruise control. I don't want us to do that. I want us our, our minds to be prepped and our hearts to be prepared for things that are going to be coming down the pike here this fall. And so I want us to dive in and look at God's heart. So two weeks ago, we talked about and shared about God's heart for the lost, for people who don't know Jesus. And what is God's heart that we're supposed to seek and save the lost? We're supposed to search out for people and introduce them to Jesus. Then last week, um, I was gone on a mission trip to, to Washington with our church planting group, Kyle and Ruth Davies, and Wally Rindle came and preached. Uh, Wally is a mentor of mine and a fellow preacher, and he shared about God's heart for the church. And speaking of the church, let me give you an update on the church out in Washington, because we had a great trip as we went out there, and they are in a very challenging area. I mean, the weather is beautiful. The landscape is beautiful. Uh, there's just It's just a great area, but the spiritual culture the church culture is bankrupt. I mean, it's empty. We got there and we started driving around and Kyle was giving us a little bit of a tour of the area and he said, look for church buildings. Let me know how you see. And, and in the week we were there, while we were in the Salmon Creek, Washington area, which is Vancouver, just outside of Portland, we saw one church building in the Salmon Creek area. Now, we got Portland, we saw a couple more. But one church building. Could you imagine driving around a city of Lexington only seeing one church building? Now, there's probably some more. Maybe they're in a storefront. Maybe they met in someone's home. But there wasn't like a church on every single corner. Matter of fact, the stats will tell you that 95% of the people have no relationship with Jesus, no relationship with the church. 95%. I mean, the attitude that is prevalent there is you try to talk or engage with people. Many times they don't look at you. But one example would be a conversation I had with a lady at Kroger. It's kind of one of the last days we were getting ready to leave, going through the line. I told her that we were here, Generations Church, helping start this new church. I asked her if she had heard of it. She said, no. I said, well, you should go and check it out. They have a great She said, I don't need church. I was like kind of taken back. She said, I said, well, maybe you enjoy it. Maybe you have some fun. Nope, I'm 54 years old. I know I don't need church. And it was like, boom, the conversation's cut off. Around here, it'd be a little more soft, a little bit more gentle, like, I'm not really interested. But she was just shutting it down. That was kind of a pretty prevalent mindset in that area. And for us to be part of helping start a church in an area, really bringing light into darkness. Let me show you a few pictures and tell you a little bit about what happened. That's the team who went. Of course, I was the one taking a picture, so I wasn't in the picture. On the left there, that's Kyle Davies. Many of you know Kyle. He was our previous youth pastor for three years. His son, Xavier. Uh, I think Ruth was out running around with the other children there by, as we were doing that walk along the lake. And then there's the rest of our team. And right there in front is Lily Lusk and Aiden uh, Farley. And I can tell you, I was really proud of those kids. I wasn't sure going on a trip and taking young kids how that was going to go. Um, Aiden was very interesting. The one day we walked and did flyers. Show that next picture there, if you will. On the right is the flyer that we took around. We took around 800 flyers to surrounding neighborhoods, inviting them to a party in a park, trying to get to know people. And then the map on the left is just kind of showing you one of our walkings. We ended up walking somewhere between 8 to 10 miles for each person, putting out 800 flyers. So together as a team, it was over 50 miles. Well, taking Aiden, who's nine years old, 
And we split up in little teams, and I was walking them, and, you know, he was getting tired. My ankles hurt, and this is going on. We're like, come on, Aiden, we got a stack of flyers. Let's go. And he was getting all tired, and he was, he was trying. He was trudging along, but we were all getting tired, so we stopped, and we got, got some McDonald's, and he had a Big Mac. And moms and dads, your kids get tired, the secret sauce is a Big Mac. <laughs> because after lunch, he was, like, running up and down driveways and running down the street, and I was like, thank you, Jesus, because I'm flat exhausted. <laughs> while he's running and sticking out the flyers and putting them out. And so we had a great time. And then show the next picture there. Um, this is where they'll be meeting at for their worship service. On the right, it says American Legion. They're meeting American Legion, which is right under one of the main streets, right next to a Walgreens. So in their community, you say American Legion, almost everybody knows, knows where it's at. And then that's their building that they have. And the, the brighter spot on the other side of the accordion wall is actually... Uh, their entryway, and then you have all these tables because they do bingo, three days a week bingo. But the building is quite old, and it's not been painted in some 10 or 15 years, and it was covered with nicotine from the days when they used to smoke, and they don't smoke in there anymore. But we thought we were just going to go there and paint. Well, we're talking to the paint store. They said, you're going to paint over nicotine? They're like, you can't do that. I'm like, well, I can't do that. They're like, I'm like, just stop paint on the wall. No, 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 no. you got to wash it all off, and then you got to prime all the walls. And we're like, so the job like tripled in size, you know, with just one conversation. And so we end up washing walls, ended up priming and painting the whole facility. And you can see them hard at work. And the kids jumped right in with the adults and worked really hard. You can see on the left that ceiling, how dark it is. That's all the nicotine and trying to repaint and cover all that over. Uh, but we turned that place uh, closer to being a very appropriate place for worship. They still have some more work to finish. They're going to change out some ceiling tiles and fix it up. But the commander was blown away that we would come from Kentucky and people that they're connecting with who's becoming part of the church would come in there and paint that and do all that service for them. And uh, Kyle had worked out a, a deal with them that we would do this. And they said, if you do that, we'll give you a year's worth of free rent. And so they're going to be meeting there for a year's worth of free rent, developing a relationship and hopefully expanding ministry beyond that. Now, we did have to have some fun. So if you show the next picture, we did stop and do a little bit of touring around. You get a prize if you can tell me what movie is that in a lot. What? You knew it right away. They're telling me Goonies. I showed my wife. She's, oh, that's Haystack Rock. I'm like, never heard of it, never seen it. See how much I'm tied into our, to our movie scene. But that's from the Goonies. That's out on the Pacific Coast. And then one of the waterfalls and our team out there just having fun. So it was a great trip. But I got to tell you, the trip wasn't just us. Yeah, there were six of us that went as part of Centerpoint Church and went out to be a blessing to their church and met people from the branch church that's part of the, the sending group that's helping Kyle and Ruth get started. But together we did that. And I got to tell you, church, I'm really proud of Centerpoint. We as a body, you all are so generous. We had a goal to raise $7,000 to send the team out there. And money just kind of kept trickling in. We're now over $8,800 that has come in to cover that trip. And so I just got to say thank you because you all really caught the vision like, okay, I can't go on this one. Maybe down the road I'll go. But you sent us out there to go do that. But because the funds were such, our goal was to go out there and be able to bless the church and bless the people who, who run the, the American Legion there. We were able to pay for all the supplies, all the paint. We took down a five lights, had lights replaced because of your giving. And now we have some extra funds going, okay, how can we help them further with these funds that are going to go towards their church plant, because of what you've done, you got the idea that the church is much bigger than just Centerpoint Christian Church. And so 
Wally preached about the church and the importance of it because the church is the avenue. It's the method that we use to bring the message of God. And some people will say, why do we go out to Washington? We've been involved in starting a church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. been involved in starting a church up in Ohio, helped start a church in Las Vegas. We believe in going where there's darkness and where there's very few uh, Christians and help get something started. And really the reason is pretty simple. It's really simple to talk about. Sometimes it's not quite so easy to do. The simpleness of it is this, is we want people to know the love of God. We want people to be blessed with what we have the opportunity to know and live in. We want people to know the love of God. We want people to know the love of Christ. We want them to know that there's an opportunity to be saved. And so we believe that the church is a major avenue of how you do that. And so we believe in planting churches. But today I want to talk about that idea of the love of God. Today I want to talk about the God's simple story. You say, why are you, why, why you going to dive in that? I think it's good to be reminded I think it's good for us to be reminded about God's great love and, and how much he, he loves us. See, we live in this world that tends to beat us down, a, a world that we get tired of, a world that, that is stressful. And, and I don't know what you have going on in your life right now, but there's a chance that you walked in here and you're carrying some stresses. It might be the marriage has been tough. It might be you're having a hard time raising some children. It might be a health thing you're dealing with. Maybe your finances are overwhelming you. Many times those things distract us and we forget about how much God cares and how much God loves. And we need to be reminded in our journey with Christ how much he actually loves us because his love, I believe it's steadfast. I believe it's unchanging. I believe his love, it comforts us. His love is revealed to us through Jesus Christ. His love is poured out to us through us by the Holy Spirit, and in love compels us to love one another. And I want us today to allow the Word of God to just fill our hearts, our minds this morning. For us to do kind of what I've called, is, it's a word study. A word study is one way you study the Bible by taking a certain word and then you start looking it up in several passages and try to understand the word from several different angles because I want to be reminded. I want us to be encouraged. I want us to, to be helped along by just focusing this morning on the love of God because when we understand the love of God and what it means for us and His heart for us, then it really directs how we will treat others and be guided towards helping other people. And so this morning, what we're going to do is just kind of a, a simple word study. Now, I don't have time to do a whole word study in the Word of Love because it's all over the Bible. We'd be here for weeks trying to do that and probably months. Many of us, I think, have grown up maybe doubting the love of God because of relationships. Many times relationships can affect how we view God's love. A broken relationship between a, a, a son and, or daughter with their parents can affect your view of how God loves you. Or a broken relationship between a husband and wife can affect your view of how God loves you. Or a broken relationship with a church can affect your view of God's love for you. Sometimes our own bad choices. Sometimes choices that we have made, we go, there's no way God can love me. There's no way because I've done or I'm participating in and we can start naming our list of all the stuff that doesn't please God and we think he doesn't love me. Sometimes well-meaning churches or even well-meaning Christians are misguided in their thinking by teaching that sometimes we're not good enough and we have to earn God's love. I just want us to look at the scripture today and see how God has demonstrated what his word says about his love for us. Look at Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. 
He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commandments. Now those words are written to the people of Israel, but they apply to us to this day, keeping His commandments for a thousand generations of what? That He loves us. That He's faithful in that. And how interesting that in that text, generations, and that's the name of the church in Washington, they name themselves Generations Church because they want the love of Christ to be shared for generations to come in the greater Washington area. Psalm 36, 7 says, How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. In other words, you can't put a price tag on it. And I love that the psalmist says it's an unfailing love. I would say all of us are in here are familiar with a love that has failed at some time or another. Maybe it's a husband and wife relationship that failed. Maybe it was a parent relationship. All of us at some time or another experienced a love that wasn't so loving. Maybe it was a friend who stabbed you in the back and the love has failed. Maybe it's a work relationship and you notice, yep, the love there's not there anymore and it's failed. We've all been through that. But this psalmist realizes, David says, his love is priceless and it's unfailing. God loves you that much. It's an unfailing. It cannot fail. It's impossible. And then John 3 which many times you've been raised in church, you've learned this verse, you memorize this verse, and sometimes the verses have been with us forever. We just kind of read through them, and they just kind of become rote memory part of our life. I, I want to spend a few minutes diving into this verse. For God so loved the world that He what? He gave His one and only Son. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son in the world to condemn put the finger pointing at you. You're so bad. You're so awful. You did. But to save the world through him. For God so loved the world. Now, you stop and ponder on that word. For God so loved the world. That means people who are tall and people who are short. People who are skinny and people who are not so skinny. People who are of different colors and different races and different parts of the world. You, you start going, you start thinking about that word world and it is so huge. For God so loved the world. When we were out in Washington, we went to a bookstore called Powell's. Anyone ever been to Powell's bookstore? Heard of Powell's? First service, there was like two people. It's this famous bookstore. It's one of their uh, attraction spots. We went down in Portland, and it had like, I don't know, three or four levels, and it was just all books, and it was huge. And I was like, I'm too tired to go walking through here. So I went and sat in a coffee shop and grabbed a cup of coffee and just watched people for 30 minutes. Every color skin, every race was there, every kind of sexual orientation was there, everybody with whatever kind of piercing or gauge or clothing style, in 30 minutes, you saw it all. And I knew I was preaching on this text, and I thought there, and God just kind of whispered in my ear, Brian, this is the world. This is the world. As you look across, I thought, this is the world. It's not my world that I'm used to here in central Kentucky, but this is the world that we are all so different. And he said, my son, I gave him because I love this world. I love these people. But see, my concern with the, the, the term world is that many times we say, for God's love the world, and we think of it as this greater broad term. But let's get personal for a moment. For God so loved me. For God so loved Sarah, for God so loved Jeremy, for God so loved Brian, for God so loved Luke, for God so loved Samantha, for God so loved Steve, for God so loved, you put your name in there. 
Make it real personal. For it's not because it's, when we say world, well, God so loved the world. But when we make it real personal. It really starts to drive something home. Matter of fact, I want to read the beginning of this. And when I pause at the word world, I want you to say your name. For God so loved. Some of you guys are kind of there with me, right? Because what will you do? Well, for God so loved I'm Brian. For, for God so loved Steve. For God so loved Samantha. We, we're not like, 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 do we really believe it? I, I want you to speak your name like you really believe it. For God so loved. So we can't forget that. He didn't just kind of love. For God so loved the world. For God so loved Jennifer. And for so God so loved Brian. And for God so loved David. And God so loved Elizabeth. And God so loved. You, you start really owning that, that he gave his son for you. For you. For you very personally. And you are part of this great world. So what? So that we don't perish. That means separated from God for eternity which the Scripture tells us, and I know, again, we don't like to hear this, but there's an eternity with God, an eternity without God. Eternity without God is called hell. It's eternal damnation. He says, so you won't perish and be there, but you'll have eternal life that you will live in heaven, the most glorious place ever that I can't even possibly describe. Can't even put words to it. Yeah, and Scripture put words to it, but we can't even fathom it. For God didn't send His Son to the world to condemn them. He didn't send His Son to the world to point a finger at you and say, you're bad, you're terrible, you did this. No, He sent His Son to the world, what? So that we can't be saved. That's how much He loves you. And that's how much He loves me. And in Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul said, but God demonstrates His own love for us. Again, that's one of those terms where you go, well, us. No, put your name in there. For God demonstrates His own love for me, for Sam, for... Put your name in there. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. In other words, the word sinner is someone who is not walking in God's path. Someone who is doing life in their own direction. Someone who says, I'm just going to do things my way. And they're actually against God. And he says, while you are still against me, while you are not following me, while you are not walking with me, I sent my son to die for you because that's how much I love you, Jeremy. That's how much I love you, Samantha. That's how much I love you, Vicki. That's how much I love you. That's how much I love you. But many times we kind of forget about that and we go on about life and we forget he loved us so much. He didn't wait and say, no, you clean yourself up. You get all right and all good and you take care of all this bad stuff in your life. And then once you do all that, then I'll maybe send my son. No, he did it while we were still all messed up. And even while we live kind of messed up. And then Romans 8, Paul comes on and he says, now knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither the angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to what? To separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I think that's a word we need to hear today. Maybe it's going through the journey of the marriage that's been tough and stressful lately, I want you to know you still are loved by God in the midst of that journey. 
We were told this week that the cancer's in the family. You know what? You're still loved by God as you're walking through that journey. Your children are going AWOL. They're not wanting to listen to you, and they're ignoring you as a parent. You're still loved by God. You've been fired this week at work. You're still loved by God. You've made some sinful choices that you know inside. If anybody else knew about, oh, how embarrassing would I be that if someone knew about these sinful choices I made, and how can God still love me? You're still loved by God. This week we spent some time with a gentleman in our church that's uh, been going on kind of a spiritual journey the last few, three or four years, been struggling. This week he had a heart surgery that was very major, and he looked at me and he said, Brian, I know I've not been exactly walking with God lately, but I still know that he loves me even though I haven't been loving him very well. How true is that? Even when we don't love him well, he still loves us because there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. I don't know what you're walking in today. If you don't hear anything today, I hope you hear that message. God loves you just where you are. Right now, what you're walking in, what you're dealing with, whatever it is, He loves you right where you are. And Ephesians 2 tells us, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we are dead in our transgressions. That means stuck in your sin. It is by grace you have been saved. Because of what? Because of His great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, His grace, made us what? Alive. By how? By Christ going to the cross and dying for us. He made us alive. And 1 John says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. I love that word lavish, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. First of all, think about that word lavished. How many people love to lavish out gifts at Christmas time? All, many of us like to do that, don't we? How many times do you go into debt because you're like, I want to get more gifts, I want to get more gifts. And you're like, I shouldn't buy any more stuff, but I want to pour gifts on top of my kids or on top of my friends or on top of my family and give it away. Think of a cup that you start to fill, you put it at the sink and you turn on the water and the cup just starts to fill and it starts to pour over. And as long as you leave that water on, that cup just keeps overflowing, overflowing. That's a picture of it being lavishly filled or overfilled until you shut off the water. Here's the thing with God, His love never shuts off. It's lavished upon us. It keeps pouring and keeps overflowing on us over and over and over again. And then here's the beautiful thing. He calls us what? Children. If you're called a child, that means you're what? You're part of the family. God is the Father. And that means we have the greatest family of all. That's a hard concept to understand sometimes. Especially if you've grown up in a family or even now you have a family, at times it's rocky. Had a mom or dad that was abusive, maybe physically, maybe mentally. Mom and dad are absent. Maybe they're just addicted to work. Maybe at home you're like, I want to be a good parent, but boy, I'm just messing up all the time. And am I modeling a great example that I'm supposed to be a model for my family? Or maybe kids are in this room going, I wish it was just better at home. I tell you, the best family is the family of God. And when we are in Christ, we are a child of His. We're children of God, and He lavishes His love, a love that never ends upon us. So we understand that God's love is so big and so great and so endless, and it's for everyone. It's for this entire world. It's for me. We know that there's nothing that will separate us from this great love of His. How are we to respond? What am I supposed to do with that? First John, I think, gives us great direction on how we respond says in chapter 4, verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, 
For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of and knows God. So our response is, if we know his love, we receive his love, we give out, we live in love. We extend that to everybody who, that we meet, everybody that, that we get to know, every person that we interact with. Today when you go out to lunch, you lavish out love on your waiter or waitress. You tip extra goods. You're extra patient. When you go to the store shopping, you're extra kind with the people who are taking care of you. When things aren't going your way and you're out in the workplace this week, you still say, all right, my job is to lavish out love. Why? Because love comes from God. Verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Ouch. That's kind of the testing verse right there for us. We know if we know God by how we love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son in the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He loved us so much, he sends his son to the cross. Sacrifice. Are we willing to do that for others? That's our response. And we go that far above and beyond in love. Dear friends, verse 11, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. You know how people see God? Through the way we love or don't love. See, when we love people, we're demonstrating who God is. But when we don't love, we're saying there is no God. So our response to God's love is that we then, in reply, we We love other people, people who are politically different than us, people who are financially different than us, people who are in a different economic status than us, people who are are in a different workplace than us. And may I suggest, church, because we're getting ready to come on a a run here politically, so to speak, where we're going to see it all over the place, I would suggest quit talking about all of it. I would suggest don't... Put comments on Facebook. Don't get in all that because then people say, oh, you took a certain side, you took a certain side, and then they miss out on the love of Christ. Just go out and love people. Go out and show them the love of Christ. When we love one another, then God lives in us and His love is made complete. In other words, that's how we show this world who Christ is. Verse 13, this is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. This is how we know that we Live in Him and He in us. He's given us His Spirit. And by His Spirit, we go out and love other people. So our response to God's love is we give love. Our response, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength. He loves us, we love Him, and what? And love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Pretty simple to say, sometimes a little challenging to do. And so our response is that we live as people of love. We're going to have a moment here to be able to respond to God's Word today. This love is never-ending, and the invitation is always open. We have a few people who will be at the cross here in just a moment. And I invite you, if you've never accepted the love of Jesus, you've never committed your life to Jesus and never accepted Him as Savior, why not say yes to Him today? Go back to the cross and just look at the person and say, today's my day to say yes. Maybe you've been 
AWOL. Maybe you've been walking kind of the crooked path. Maybe today you need to go back to the cross and say, pray with me. I, I need to say yes every day. I, I believe in Jesus, but I've been wandering away from doing the way he wants me to live my life. As we receive communion today at the communion stations, you're saying yes to salvation. You're saying yes to your belief in Jesus. It's a time to renew, a time to repent as you come to the time of communion. But it's a time to say thank you, Jesus, for your great love that you went to the cross for us. As you bring your offering this morning, it's an opportunity to reply to God in love, saying, God, I love you. I respond in my giving. As you go today into the restaurants or you go today shopping, you go into the marketplace tomorrow, and your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, we respond to God by living a life that's in love for other people.